we are back again. Another episode, Dabs and Duke. More recaps for you of the original 23 movie. Yeah. Plus, we'll probably talk a little bit. Uh, Guardians 3 casting that just came up. Probably a little bit. DC Universe. I know you probably don't <laughs> want to talk about, talk about Robert Pattinson there, Jay. Real Batman hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so this week I will be recapping the Guardians movies and Spider-Man Far From Home. And Jay, what three movies you got? I have uh, Thor Ragnarok, Civil War, and Enter the Spider-Verse. All right. All right, so... Um, what are you gonna say? I can jump into it. Yeah, you want to start? Sure. Start. Uh, let's start with my favorite movie of all time, Into the Spider Verse. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, it's mine too. That's I thought you were gonna say Thor Ragnarok. I thought you were trolling. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. Damn, I just missed an opportunity. But um, uh. It's a, it's a hard movie to talk about because everything is so perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would essentially say that this is one of the most beautiful, not only Marvel products, but products I've seen on the screen ever. It's, it's so just the color, the pop of color, the, the, the way that the animation is stylized, it perfectly fits the narrative and I love Shamik more as um, as Miles Morales. So, I mean, I love the way that they brought all the different kinds of uh, Peter Parkers in there and even got Peter Parker, which is crazy because I remember being like 11 and reading those Spider-Ham comics and, you know, they have Kingpin in there um they have i mean it's a it's a pretty loaded cast you got heavy steinfeld you got marshall ali brian terry henry which i did not know who the fuck did he play he was uh he was the dad oh fuck he was a dad that's crazy <laughs> wow john mulaney who the fuck was he spider ham okay Wow, Kamiko Glenn, Nicholas Cage, Lee Schreiber. Yeah. Loaded voice acting. And everyone did a phenomenal job. And um, I think it was a perfect little, perfect little precursor to um potentially or our soon uh introduction to Miles Morales, pretty much. So I don't even know what else to say about this shit. This shit is amazing. And if I could, I would buy three Blu-ray copies. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more, though. Like, it's such a perfect movie on every level. And it's, like, a fucking shame that it didn't, like, get nominated for more Oscars. Like, it should have been nominated for Best Picture that year. But the Oscars will never, the Academy will never nominate an animated movie for Best Picture. Never. It's just against yeah. their standards for some reason, which is stupid because it was the best movie that came out that year. Yeah. Best movie that They're came out in a like, long, long time. 
Ooh, it has to involve foreign language and drama. <laughs> no, but, but it has to hold their britches. Yeah, like it can't be a it can't be a comedy. A comedy can't win. That's the first cardinal sin. Of, yeah. And then the second cardinal <laughs> sin is also cannot be animated. We don't care how serious it is. We yeah. don't care how like good it is. If it's animated, nope. Get that nah, shit out of here. Yeah. They're Just like, how question. dare you make us laugh? What right. gives you the right? How dare you yeah. make a good movie? How dare you make a better <laughs> movie than all these ass movies that came out this year? <laughs> like he's always got to be some like I don't know, some touchstone movie that's just, I don't know. It doesn't always need to be super fucking serious, you know? You don't need to right. be dying. It doesn't need to be too real. Like, I can't tell you the last time I watched an Oscar-winning, like, Best Picture-winning movie just because mm-hmm. every Best Picture winner is always super, like, depressing. It's like, I don't it know. is. It's always drama-driven, Which for sure. I, I feel like I need to watch Parasite. I've heard nothing but good things about that movie. Parasite is really And good. I don't think it's super drama-driven. Like, I mean, obviously, yes, it is, but, like, not, like, depressing. I, maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't fucking seen it. Oh, but, yeah. But I've, yeah. Heard, but I've heard good things about it. And I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I need to check that one out. But, like, other than that, it's always just, what won this year? Uh, uh, I honestly don't know. I don't really watch the war shows. I just see the results. I forgot who won. Nomadland. Oh, Nomadland. Yeah, I saw Nomadland. It was it was good. I didn't see it. I don't know if I would say it's the best picture, but whatever. Yeah. Oh, also wrote Domino's. I I just want to shout out the fact that they like had like five different villains too like i love the fact that they put prowler in there and tombstone especially because those are kind of villains that didn't touch on yeah they really are like hyping up for this like like you said i think they kind of wanted to test it out in animation and then move it to the big screen which you know obviously they're doing now but Mm -hmm. honestly like it's it's gonna be tough to top that movie it was just so perfect all around like so good like it was the perfect balance of being kid friendly and still having adult thematic elements to it yes absolutely you no know? i loved yeah. it oh, it's phenomenal and just the animation like i just remember like seth rogan right after the movie came out he went and saw it and he was like praising the animation mm. and i'm just like that's like some high praise there i don't know why it felt that way to me, but it was just like I feel like he being a stoner, like is oh always, yeah yeah, is always looking out for like the craziest animation shit to go watch. And mm-hmm. I'm like, him saying that this is a quality animated movie, I'm like, that's I'm like that's that's probably like some high praise. Yeah. And then we oh, went yeah. and saw it, and I was like, damn, that like fucking hit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, wait, didn't I see it? Didn't I see it before you? Then I went again with you. Is that how that went down, or did we see it together the very first time? Um, I think you saw. I feel like I saw uh, it before me. An original copy. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> You're right. Holy shit! Yeah, I did. And then, and then we went to see it like the next week in the theater. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Man, yeah, man. That's that's it. Just. 
they don't, they don't do animation like that. Mm-mm. No, they, they really don't. Yeah, they uh, they don't like really. It's it's in my opinion a top five animated movie ever. Top five movie ever. Period. I'm with that. I'm with that. I'm with animated. That. Top five movie ever. I'm with that. And like pretty much everything else in the animated category, it's like by Pixar, which is, mm-hmm. you know, this is crazy. Ranked among that, and then you just put Spider Verse in there, and it's just like, oh, all mm-hmm. right, little change of pace there because Sony's got yeah. one in there now. Yeah, definitely. I love a good movie that does fan service correctly too, without having it being too much to the point where you kind of lose sight of um like all the things that make a film great, you know, especially in an animated product. The fan service was just, it was phenomenal, man. Like there's, I don't see how you could watch this animated film and be disappointed by the lack of something, you know? Because if you're a Spider-Man fan, you get what you want. If you're a fan of any of the voice actors, like you said, you just named the whole stacked cast. Like if you're a fan of any of them, you get what you want. Like it's just, it's, it's, if you're if you're a comic book reader, you get what um, you want. Everybody gets what they want out of this. Everybody, yeah, 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 it's perfect. And then that last the post credit scene where they do the bit with the two Spider Mans pointing at each other. Oh come on! That's hilarious, like, bro. And then they even talk about the Spider Man three that that Akas sequence. Oh, the best in the beginning in film history, yeah. the dance sequence. That was <laughs> yeah. a callback. And I hope then, they call it back. I hope they call it back live action too. Ooh, I need yeah, that to be the moment that Peter Parker gets sucked through the multiverse is when he's yeah. doing the dance. Yeah. yeah. They even talked, they even touched on the um the oddly shaped Spider-Man popsicle in the beginning. I don't know if you remember that. That was funny as hell, dude. That was weird, hysterical. Because those never looked like what they're supposed to be. Exactly. And it was like a weird, like little inclusion there. And I was just <laughs> like, that's still extremely funny. Like the fact that they like are ripping on the fact that the popsicles always have the eyes like one in the cheek and one in the forehead like mm-hmm. i'm like that's, that's but it was it was funny it was so random but it was just funny and they just like threw all that shit in there any spider-man reference they could they left no spider-man reference on turn yeah man it's just the little things like that to make you appreciate the film so much more absolutely this was like a the last or this is like a weird combo of like a Sony and a MCU product, right? I don't think MCU even touched on this. Really? I think this was 100% Sony. Which like gives me a lot of fucking hope for what Sony can do because like if Sony can put together a product like that, like all you got to do is just do a live action one like that. Like like yeah. you made the best superhero movie ever, right? In my opinion. You made the best yeah. superhero movie ever. Can you make the best live action superhero movie ever? And now, not only that, but you also get Feige's help with it now, like Sony times MCU, like collab for No Way Home. Right. Come on, put it in the bag. It's not, it's it's this close. Like it's it should be like an easy like extra point here. It should. But, but we'll see, see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. We definitely I got high hopes. I do too. I do too. All right. All right. Um, rather than starting from the beginning, I'm just gonna stay on the Spider-Man train. I feel like. 
Um, And then I'll jump back to Guardians. So, Spider-Man Far Far From Home. Um, So we get it. You get kind of like the intro to Mysterio immediately, which is like weird. Um, Because if you're not a comic book fan, it's just like, all right, who the hell is this guy? Because it's like, you see see Nick Fury, you see Maria Hill, and they just drive up and then and and Mysterio plops down. And he's like, "Oh, you don't want any part of this." And that's it. And then it cuts right back to Peter packing up for his trip. And there was like a deleted scene that they cut out of that, where Peter was actually preparing for the trip more. Um, no, even before that, even before he's packing for the trip. Mm-hmm. No, I'm trying to think if that scene was even in the movie or not. Now, shit, I don't remember if that was a deleted scene or not. But anyways, you get Peter plops down. Says he has the plan. He wants to ask MJ out on the Eiffel Tower. And then MJ comes over and there's a whole bit there where Ned is like ruining Peter's plan accidentally. <laughs> because Ned already has conflicting thoughts about this trip because Ned wants to be bachelors in Paris. And and Peter just wants to woo MJ the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, what we get the scene with aunt may and happy which was a fun dynamic throughout the movie weird but i like the way they did it Where's and i really marry me <laughs> <laughs> i really Please, don't want them you. i think they're gonna kill happy off and i don't want them to um, yeah, you mentioned it before because i really like happy as a character and also i think the whole happy Aunt May storyline has some juice to it. And I think you can kind of keep happy in the background there. Like, now that Stan Lee's gone and he can't cameo in every movie, there's something about Favreau starting Iron Man 1, like the first Iron Man, where he's kind of now the the like the like rock for the MCU to me. <laughs> and I, I, I like seeing him in it. And, and I don't know. I like that he's sticking around. So I hope they don't kill him in this next one. But again, we'll see. Um, but like the banter between both, like there's like the tension between Happy and May. And then there's like the banter between Peter and Happy. And mm-hmm. it's funny. And and that's where you, you, you see like, yes, this movie's super serious. Yes, this movie's dealing with like, what is objective truth? What is like, ask all these super, super, like what is someone what 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 does it mean for something to belong to someone like mental property like uh barf and and so it asks all these big questions but also it's like it's got this levity to it because it's still still peter parker it's still spider-man movie, so it's got to be fun yeah and uh you get that right off the top they bring in jb smooth to, oh, the, to like, the best actor of all time <laughs> our dan bring- day lewis <laughs> They bring they bring him in. He's got like the kind of dynamic with Martin Starr's character. They both as the teachers. Like <laughs> you got the crazy guy and the awkward guy, and it's just hilarious. The entire movie. Love it. And uh, yeah, it it like he's talking about witches, and and saying there's nothing scientific about this science trip. Like he's good. He's great. And like the when he's like. He's telling he's telling uh Martin Starr's character 
that he's got to take first shift watching the kids on the plane because he just took an ambient like <laughs> hilarious but but then you get another problem you get brad which is the douchebag in their class that like grew up in the blip because this being the first blip movie they have to address what happened in endgame mm-hmm. and they do that at the beginning they have that like funny little montage um and they they address Endgame a little bit. So we learn a little bit about what happened with the blip, but like really not on a big scale. We don't really get big scale until WandaVision. Um but yeah, they they address that a bit. And so now Brad's this like competing figure who's like fighting for MJ as well. Um and then the whole trip goes, you know, goes weird because they get shit hotels and stuff, but then then Nick Fury steps in and he's like, we're going to upgrade your trip because he's got this guy, Dimitri, and he's got Mysterio, which Dimitri, as we talked about this past week, is very likely Chameleon. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hope he is. I don't know. I don't think they're going to touch on that in No Way Home, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Anything's possible at this point. Yeah. That might just be a little, um, what do they call it? What's the film word? The uh, Guffin. Just for the audience. Yeah. I hope it's not. That'd be so cool. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope it's not either. Like, I'm really hoping it's legit, but you never know. Such an underrated villain. Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, we've seen all the other ones they're going to touch on. Like, obviously, if they're doing multiverse, we've seen them all before. But just in general, like, I, this is my complaint about Batman, like, all the Batman movies that they've been making. Um they don't touch on new villains ever. It's always the same, like, four villains. They always go back to the well. Like, it's always Joker, it's always Riddler, it's always Penguin, and it's always, like, fucking Catwoman. And, like, that's it. That's all they ever go to. They get Bane in there sometimes. Like, they throw in a couple, like, Mr. Freeze, mm-hmm. like, got one appearance. Yeah. But, like, really, it's never, like, diverse enough in terms of Batman has so many villains and Spider-Man has so many villains. And, and I think they got to start incorporating more, especially... If you've got a limited amount of movies you can make with Tom Holland, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, back to the plot. Mysterio, you know, he's got the elementals he's making. He gets the the Earth one first. He gets the water one in Italy. Um, then he brings the the fire one to um, Prague, and. That's where he makes his big play for the glasses and he gets the glasses and using those, he gets control of the Stark drones, which that was a funny bit too, is when Brad's got the picture of Peter with no pants on with the, <laughs> the lady in the, in the bathroom, <laughs> not in the yeah. bathroom, it was like a bar and, mm. and he's going to send it to MJ and Peter accidentally calls a drone strike on Brad. <laughs> like that yeah, whole, was like, five minute sequence it was just entertaining all the way through like because it's like you know it's not he's not gonna end up taking out brad but you're like kind of hoping he does and you think it's hilarious all the way through like right. it's just a perfectly done scene all over like a dumbass picture like it's yeah. funny um brad is such an asshole yes that you just want him to get taken out but also you know like he didn't really deserve to be taken out mm-hmm. <laughs> Like he he just he's just an asshole. So, 
Um, but yeah, then MJ sneaks out of the uh, the opera and follows Peter. And then Ned and Betty also do. And Ned and Betty are on the Ferris wheel while Peter's fighting the fire guy with Mysterio. And and uh, MJ picks up the uh, little projector, which mm-hmm. is the start of the other plot. So the two plots then competing are Mysterio has the glasses, Mysterio has the drones. And Peter and MJ have the projector. So they know that Mysterio is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it it wraps up in London, which is just, I thought it it was like the perfect place to set it. I just thought like Tower Bridge was a great place to have the final battle. I thought it was like unique. I feel like you don't see a lot of like superhero movies going through London. And I guess that's just because most of them, you know, take place in America. So it's like you have the opportunity to use a foreign landmark, do it. And I would be remiss to leave out the scene the best scene in the whole movie where Mysterio puts Peter into thinking he's everywhere thinks he's on top of the Eiffel Tower thinks he's at Tony's grave thinks mm-hmm. that scene is in my opinion the most graphically CGI best mo- most well done scene mm-hmm. in the whole MCU to this point mm-hmm. and I think this next movie this Doctor Strange movie and this Spider-Man movie are both going to compete with it because the first Doctor Strange movie already competes with it. And now you're adding multiversal stuff. Like it's going to be close. Yeah. That was awesome. It was, it was such an unexpectedly awesome sequence. Like I was just taken aback by how dope it was. Yeah. Like the first time I saw it too, like it was just, it was, I don't know. I was like, damn, like they really put a lot of thought. Like it was, cause it was just like one minute he had like a, it was a Mysterio head, but then the next minute it was like a snow globe and there were like spiders crawling out of stuff. And it was just, I don't know the way they like just change stuff, like in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. So cool. That's awesome. It's, it's worth watching off of that alone, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, uh, yeah, then they, they do the fight at the Tower Bridge. Peter takes out Mysterio. And then uh, movie wraps up. MJ and Peter are on their date, swinging through the city. And Mysterio comes on Daily Bugle um, with J. Jonah Jameson, which was an incredible review. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think we're going to get two Jana Jonah Jamesons, honestly, in my opinion, because originally they didn't want this version of J. Jonah Jameson to have a mustache. And they also mm. wanted him to be bald. And so my thought was, and I think in this next movie in No Way Home, he is going to be no mustache and bald. So I think they want to separate him from the original J. Jonah Jameson because it's the same actor, because mm. they're both J.K. Simmons. Um, I think they want both versions. It should be interesting to see what you're over. <sighs> For sure. And then, yeah, and then big post credit reveal that, that Fury and Hill were actually scrolls the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not a, it's not, I feel like it's a, a post credit scene that's not talked about enough or appreciated enough, too. 
That was an awesome postcard I seen. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because I feel like it's underrated because it's like nothing big really happens, but like. I think that's a pretty big, that's a pretty damn big review. Right. I, that took me off guard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, it, it's not like, I don't know. Like, I, I think we've like had a lot of bit like Ant Man and the Wasp, like that post credit scene where they all disappear, or like, you know, Ragnarok where Thanos' ship is right there. And like, yeah. you get a lot of these big scenes, but like, that's a big ass reveal. And then, an even bigger reveal is that Nick Fury is in space, actual Nick Fury is in space. Yeah, like after I, I feel like it's underrated because yeah, with those other ones it was more like action packed, but the implications of the far from home one was that like if you know if you know even a little bit about comics, you saw them was like okay, secret invasion, like right. you know automatically that's coming. So that's yeah. kind of what that said to me the first time I saw it. Yeah, and then that's now why that I loved it. Yeah, and like now that we've got the secret invasion show officially announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the implications of it are just so much more important because in multiverse and secret invasion both happening now, like that's huge. That's a huge thing to have set in place is that Nick Fury's in space, probably helping out Sword with the scrolls. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Another aspect of Far From Home that I really appreciate is the fact that uh, the romance between MJ and Peter like wasn't, it wasn't irritating. It wasn't right. too much. It was very subtle. Like you saw them slowly starting to um, express their feelings for each other. And it made you care about both of them equally as much individually and as a couple. Right. So the movie did a great job with that. Yeah, I don't think every movie does that perfectly i think some movies mm -hmm. get like too much into the romance of it mm -hmm. for a superhero movie um like if you want to make a love story that's all fine and good but i don't know like something about the fact that there's a bigger plot at stake mm -hmm. makes me feel like the love story should fall second to that like if mysterio is trying to take over the world you can't really have the peter mj love story outweighing that and i agree with you there i think it was like they just sprinkled it in enough without making it super overbearing yeah, yeah. and the dynamic works too like mj is super like uh what's wrong? quirky yeah and awkward and sarcastic and peter's like very happy-go-lucky and you know he just jovial you know, like he just wants to, he's a kid. Right. He's a kid. So like they're opposite ends of the spectrum, but they work. So. Right. Because they're both awkward just in different ways. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. <laughs> All right. You want to move into yours? Your next one? Yeah. Uh, let's do, I'll pivot to Civil War and I'll save your favorite for last. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm gonna take a look at my listing again real quick. Before I dive into this. Okay. Yeah, I figured. Okay, so I have Civil War ranked third. Um Captain America 
he just I mean this is the three peat. What can I say? The an awesome Just just an awesome ending to a, a triage of great films. Um Steve Rogers is selfish. Let me start with that. Um and he was wrong. <laughs> I followed up with that. <laughs> and you know listeners aren't gonna like that one, Jay. <laughs> I cut him slack here because I understand that that Tony has his own flaws and his logic and thinking and that they can be from a self-centered um, aspect. But it's just, it, it just looks so much worse because Cap actively withheld this information from him. And by him actively doing that, this caused pretty much everything that we've seen post-Civil War to occur. So when you think about the ramifications of all of that and the fact that, you know, even if he simply told Tony on the low, like, yo, listen, he was brainwashed. He killed your parents. He may be enraged. He still might react the same exact way, you know? But, right, but then that's on Tony. Yeah, but exactly. That and that would be outside of the whole end sequence of him having to fight uh, fight against Bucky and um, Steve and, you know, them separating and, you know, conjoining back in um, fucking Endgame, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, had he told him sooner and Tony was still, like, angry about it, we probably wouldn't even have all these movies that just happened, you know? Like, if the Avengers were together, come on, you know? Yeah, that's what made the off. movies compelling. Yeah, that's what made the movies compelling. They weren't together. So Thanos just had free reign to go wherever he wanted and you know, fight them individually with their ragtag groups. Right. Had they been together, that probably wouldn't have happened. It would have been a quicker movie. So, Right, and Chris Pratt would have been on Titan alone, yeah. and Thanos wasn't even gone there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this was the most... This was the most consequential film in the last saga because you just think about all the things that happened post that clash between Tony and Steve. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, I love the way that it opens with um, Crossbones and them going there and having that fight. Um, I love, I love the, our introduction to. T'Challa, um, man, just coming in, awesome intro, just coming in, whooping ass. I love it. I love it. The car chase scene, come on, phenomenal. I don't remember. Was it you or somebody else that uh, like hated how much, like how like well T'Challa fought in Civil War, and then you put him in Black Panther? And- it was you. It was me. It was me. That was my original gripe. Like I saw Black Panther and I was like, wait a second. Why is he getting whooped this whole movie? You know, that was kind of my gripe at first. But I 
I kind of let go of that. It was like a small nitpick, and it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Like, I figured that they had to have him lose a bit more in his own movie because that's just part of his arc. Right. He has to become a king by going through these losses. So I let it go. But gotcha. Um. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's just an amazing film. I love it, and honestly, it's. It's a, it's a bit more rewatchable to me than Winter Soldier, so I feel like in my list it can be interchangeable because I can literally just throw Civil War on while I'm cleaning my room and enjoy every moment. And it's not to say that I can't do that with Winter Soldier, but not to the same level, I guess. So I think that's just because the airport battle is just more rewatchable. Oh yeah, like I think yeah, I didn't even bring bring that up yet. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the rewatchability of that scene versus the rewatchability of any of the fights in Winter Soldier. Fights in Winter Soldier are good, don't get me wrong, and they're super action packed. It's just less is going on. Yeah, yeah. Civil War, it did seem like every single moment some shit was happening. There's barely any um any any low moments. For sure. Yeah, man. I uh Phenomena. Phenomena. Oh yeah, and Spidey, of course. How can yeah, I forget yeah. Spidey? Come on. Spidey, yeah. yeah, they just Yeah. For some reason, uh Cap got all the fire movies. And uh I'm still wondering why, but hey, I'm I'm happy for it. So Yeah. Alright. You got anything else for Civil War? No, I'm good. All right, then I'm gonna do Guardians. Guardians one. Yay. Um, so we start off with with young Peter Quill, who will one day doom the universe by hitting Thanos in the head with a gun. <laughs> Little did he know. Little did he know. What he would grow up to be. Yeah. Uh, he's listening to the mixtape his mom made him, and his mom's dying, and then she dies. <laughs> and he won't take her hand. She keeps saying, take my hand, and he won't take her hand. And instead, he goes and cries and runs outside. And that's when he gets abducted by Yandu. And that's where our story begins. Because in this universe, Yandu picked up the right kid. And <laughs> yeah, so so he's looking for the orb at the beginning while he's listening to the mixtape. Because he, he's been listening to this mixtape for like 30 years now. Because because he doesn't have any other music. That's it. That's the only memory he has of Earth is Mixtape. And he's got, he's looking for the orb and he goes and he gets the orb from, um, what planet was that on? It was like the Temple of the Power Stone. Anyways, he goes and gets that and he goes to try to, uh, goes to try to sell it um, on Xandar. And the guy will not buy the, the power stone after he hears Ronan's after it because he doesn't want to get killed by Ronan. Ronan is ruthless, which we didn't know yet because we didn't see Captain Marvel yet. But at this point in time, Ronan, extremely ruthless. Um, but that's where he runs into Rocket and Groot and Gamora. And they're all fighting. That was a great fight scene, actually. The, the fight scene between the four of them, it's not even really a fight as much as it's just like a scramble for the orb. 
And, oh yeah, yeah. And I think Xandar, in my opinion, is like just the most beautiful thing that Marvel has ever contrived, like in terms of CGI set mm-hmm. pieces. I think Xandar is gorgeous. I would love to live there. It's not real, but I would love to live there. <laughs> um, but yeah, then uh, the Nova Corps come in. They arrest all four of them. They take them to prison where they meet Drax. And Drax keeps trying to kill Gamora. And meanwhile, Groot and Rocket are protecting Quill because they see his value. So they're protecting Quill because they they need him to be their thief so that they can get the power stone from him to sell elsewhere. And they need him to turn in because there's a bounty out for him. Mm. Because he is a thief and also Yandu wants him back. So we get our unlikely team of heroes banded together in this prison. And uh, yeah, then we find out a little bit more about each of them. Drax's family was killed by Thanos. And uh, they do the whole prison break together. Peter Go gets, gets his shit back. And uh, then, they're, then they're on their way. And they still have the orb. And then they're they're running from Ronan at that point. And they go to the collector to try to sell it to the collector. And that's where they run into uh, to Yandu. And so Yandu kidnaps Peter. And then they all have the plan. They come up with a plan together to fight Ronan. Then it's the Ravagers and Yandu. It's Quill and the Guardians. And it's the Nova Corps. All working together, all previously enemies, to fight Ronan. And Nova Corps obviously gets obliterated for the most part. Um, and Ronan starts to almost destroy the planet. And then Quill has a dance off with him. And and <laughs> enough of a distraction to to beat to beat Ronan. Which, mm-hmm. you know, a little silly way to kill Ronan, but it, it it's a way to do it. They get the power stone back and they end up and I'm beating him. All with the help of Groot, by the way. I missed that. Groot's death. Very sad moment in the movie. Uh, when Groot sacrifices himself to save the others. Um, yeah. But I didn't even mention Nebula. I mean, granted, I don't love Nebula as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was in it trying to fight for the stone to bring back to Thanos. Um, but then you get to post-credits and you get Peter opens up awesome mix number two and you get baby group dancing around to awesome mix number two while Drax is whittling away at us <laughs> good old group good old group yeah i uh it's a good movie it's i liked it a lot i know you don't love the guardians movies but the first guardians i really really like i think it's like a good like family bonding type story I don't know. I just I I like I like the levity of that one too. It's a different kind of levity than the others, than Spider Man or than Ant Man. But it's it's I don't know. It's a cute movie. It definitely is a cute movie, for sure. 
and I'm sure that Disney didn't envision someone, a character like Groot, just blowing up like that everywhere. Oh, not they were all. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, like, making him baby Groot is just like that. They were like, all right, so Groot, everybody loved Groot as, like, adult Groot. And then having baby Groot, and they're like, all right, this is a marketable mm-hmm. thing now. Because anything that's a baby in Disney World is, like, instantly marketable. Mm-hmm. Maybe Yoda. They, they do that shit with everything. I'm surprised they didn't uh, make fucking plushies of that creature in Shang-Chi. The ugly, cute creature that was with um, Bang. Oh, the chicken thing? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that should have blown up a little more. Yeah. What was his name? I forgot. What was it? Uh, Hamilton? What was it? Morris? Morris. Morris, yeah. Yep, Morris. Morris. <laughs> <laughs> I got to rewatch the first Guardians. I've only seen it. I've seen it twice. But the last time I've watched it was a good year and a half to two years ago. I gotta watch it again. So did it pretty much stay? Um, it stayed the same. We ranked. Yeah, it's a pretty consistent movie, honestly. Like, um, <laughs> hold on, I'm gonna look where I got it in my rankings. It, it's like one that I feel like is like kind of cemented in its place. Like it's tough to move it up or down at all. MCU rankings. So, Guardians, I have at 14. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I have at 14. No, 13. This is the confusing thing, is because I got my TV shows in here too. Mm -hmm. Um, Guardians, I have at 12. Guardians, I have at 12. I do too. That's funny. Because I have it, because the. Loki, Falcon, Winter Soldier, WandaVision are all above it as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why it was 15. And I kept finding the other shows. Okay. Um, yeah, Guardians, I have a 12. Um, and then what was the other one? I uh, Spider-Man, Far From Home, I have at 14. Okay. It's, oh, let me see, 12th. That's funny as hell. We both have the same exact rankings. Really? Yeah, without the shows. I have... Civil War, I have it six though. I have it a little bit deeper. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, and then what was the other one you reviewed? Oh, it's not even on here. But in terms of any Marvel movie ever, mm. Spider Verse is number one still. Yeah, yeah, that's the only reason why we included it in this ranking because it's such a, it's so fucking good. Right. We cheated. We cheated a little. We had to. Yeah, had to. I mean, <laughs> Because obviously we're ranking 23 movies and we're like, we need a 24th, so we each do 12. And I was like, mm-hmm. may as well throw Spider-Verse in there, right? Like, yeah, fuck it. Tell the people how so amazing this movie is again for the 12th time. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, you want to move on to uh, my favorite movie? Oh, yes. Your favorite. Your my number favorite. one. De facto. Ranked Thor. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Um, directed by Taika Waititi. Okay. Yeah, great director. He's so, um, he's dead. Yeah. Oh, I just had to double check the machine. He's directing Love and Thunder. He is good stuff. Um, 
yeah, so uh, we start with Thor and Hell captured by Surtur, I want to say. Um, and I mean, it's a movie full of bants, so it's a lot of banter between Thor and Surtur. <laughs> and, and he's like, wait, let me turn around again for you continue speaking. I thought that was a really funny bit. And um, yeah, of course, Thor breaks free and he does what the God of Thunder would normally do, starts whooping ass and he brings Surtur or the Skull of Surtur back to Asgard and um, pretty much when he gets there, he finds out that Odin isn't on Asgard anymore and um so from Heimdall of course and <laughs> of course we get the reveal that we saw from Dark World that it's actually Loki posing as Odin on Asgard and so he's exposed and they pull up on Strange at the um oh, the Sanctum in New York and they find out that Odin is in Norway, I believe. So they go there, um, and Hela just appears. I still don't know like the best way of like how she knew to like. It seemed like pretty rushed just for her to conveniently pop up immediately after they get there. I think that was kind of odd. Did they mention that at all? I think it's just because Odin died, and then so Hela like realized she was free immediately. Not hundred percent on that, but I think that's okay. what it was. Okay. But anyways, yeah, she pops up, and I mean, you know, right away when she pops up, just by what happens, that she's 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 definitely stronger than both of them. Um, and <laughs> she uh. Yeah, yeah, they pretty much just have to take the Bifrost back. Like they 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 flee because they can't handle Hela. And lo and behold, Hela is right behind him and she finds her way into Asgard. And Thor lands in uh fucking not bad world. Sakar. Sakar, right. Yeah, Sakar. Uh more bants. He gets captured by Valkyrie. Uh, he tries to convince her not to go through with it. More people pop up. <laughs> she fucks all of them up and then captures him again. Uh, takes him to the uh, the Grandmaster, uh, played well by you know the God. I don't even have to say his name. You should know his name. Uh, and <laughs> Thor is forced to participate in a tournament to fight some mysterious beast that we eventually find out is Hulk. So that's where Hulk has been this whole time. They have their exchange. Uh, Thor. I mean, at first he gets his ass beat, 
because he's trying to, he thinks that Hulk is in on it. He thinks that Hulk is in on this joke. So uh, pretty soon he realizes that he is not indeed. And this is not the same Hulk that he has come to know and love. They exchange blows. Um, Hulk, or I'm sorry, not Hulk. Thor summons the lightning and pretty much Grandmaster cheats to make sure that the Hulk wins. Oh, even after that, even after the fight, uh, Thor tries to convince Hulk to help him save Asgard. Um, they try to, you know, flee the palace via Quinjet. Uh, and I forget what do they they see something on the Quinjet the the recording right the yeah recording. Natasha recording yeah right 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 so that transforms Hulk back into Banner and they pretty much just uh, they they find their way off of. Sakar. Um, meanwhile, which to your point, which is why you don't like the movie as much, we spend very little time with um, Hela on Asgard, and the the little that we do see, she's just wreaking havoc. Nobody can fuck with her. Um, Korg and Mike they stage a revolution. Uh, Loki being Loki. <laughs> he tries to betray Thor again. Um, they have they pull back up. They face Hela. Um, Thor loses his right eye. He has a vision that only Ragnarok. Ooh, title of the movie. Look at that. Only Ragnarok can stop her. Um, Loki goes to retrieve Surtur's crown, and um, Hela is cooked. Thor is officially king. Him and Loki are in cahoots for now. Uh, he brings the people back to Earth, and I mean the post-credit scene wasn't really too to revealing is pretty much is the one with grandmaster right the grandmaster um, confronted by everyone who he did wrong the first one is grandmaster yeah but to eat the shit out of him by everybody else on sakar yeah and the second one was the big one what was the big one thanos's ship coming up oh right the, the ship does pull up right 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 right, right. yeah the maker is okay and that's 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 pretty much the movie um again i'm not saying it's a fantastic movie uh i feel like most of my appreciation stems from the fact that the first two thor movies were shit that's been thrown on in a smoldering hot african sun so um yeah in the context of those two movies i think it's a fantastic movie in the context test of all of the MCU films. I think it's a solid movie. I think it's a good movie. I think I have it ranked. Uh, what do you think about Spider-Man? 
Yeah, I have it in the good category 13th. So almost middle, a little bit better than middle of the pack. So yeah, solid movie for me. And um, I like I like the levity that they gave the Thor films. And we've got to see Hemsworth like fully flesh out Thor. Um, I thought that the script was a lot more tight, especially compared to Dark World. And I think Taika Waititi did a good job of, you know, um, getting, uh, just entrenching the audience into the world of Sakaar. You know, it was a, it was a very compelling world. And um, I think that, you know, Thor's arc in this film sets him up pretty perfectly for what we see in Infinity War. So, yeah, solid film. Shout out to Taika Waititi. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the world building, I think he did a good job. I think Thor's arc, he did a good job. I just, literally, it's that one piece is that they just didn't yeah, use Hell enough. Yeah. They didn't use Hell enough. And that's really it for me is, is they, they have one of the best villains in the MCU and she just gets kind of shafted. But other than that, I, still a good movie. Yeah. All right. So, Guardians 2. Um, we find out at the beginning it's another flashback. Guardians also Guardians 2 also opens with a flashback. Um, we find out about Quill's dad, who he's never met. <laughs> it's Kurt Russell. <laughs> and Quill's mom calls her, calls him her spaceman. Um, and they go to Dairy Queen. And they conceive Peter Quill behind Dairy Queen. <laughs> and uh, then it flashes forward in time, and it's the Guardians fighting against this big squid thing in outer space. And they end up blowing it up. They kill the shit out of it. Um, and Drax thinks he did it by stabbing it from the inside because Drax is an idiot. Um, then they they go back to the sovereigns, which are like the gold people, and they talk to Aisha, and we find out Aisha has no sense of humor, but they give her shit for in exchange for Nebula's release. Then they leave, and the shit they gave her was some batteries, and Rocket took a couple. He was laughing his ass off, which is honestly one of the funniest moments in the entire movie. Right away, when Rocket's laughing about how he just stole some batteries for no reason, for no reason. But then the the sovereigns find out, and so the whole movie, the sovereigns are just chasing the guardians, and that's not even the main plot. That's like the B story, but it's always there in the background. Right. And so, uh, yeah. So then they. Uh, the Ravagers are, are back. They're around. And uh, they talk to, uh, we get Yandu talking to Sylvester Stallone about Peter. And, and Stallone talks to him about how he's not worthy of a funeral with colors flying and respect from the other Ravager armies. Mm-hmm. Um. So so then there's some upheaval within the Ravagers. You know, you get you get Taserface, you get all these these other Ravagers who don't necessarily like Yandu as their leader. They they kinda 
had overthrown. So that's like right. the T story. So now you got three stories all playing together. But back to the A story, we get the Guardians with Ego, and that's when Ego reveals he saves them from the Sovereigns. And that's when he reveals that he's Peter's father. And he takes his egg ship back to him his, himself, I guess, because he goes a planet. Um, Kurt Russell is just an extension of Ego. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows him around, introduces him to Mantis. Um, Mantis shows her power of being empathetic and such. And such. <laughs> Mantis is actually a very useful character like in situations she's a situationally in conjunction with someone else phenomenal in this particular circumstance but again when it comes to like endgame what the fuck is she gonna do marvel is a sexist why would you (laughs) why would you make a female have empathy as a power that's wow we gotta do better in 2020 Whatever, whenever that came out, you gotta do better. Come on. It's just like, it's such, uh, I don't wanna rag on Mantis too much because like, again, in situations, the power is useful, but it's just like, what's she gonna do the rest of the time? How's she gonna- Feel bad. Feel bad. Feel bad. (laughs) Shut up, Jeremy. (laughs) But really like, I don't know. I don't know. Situationally, great power. Going against Thanos' army, what's she supposed to do? Her one person? Hey, in conjunction with other people, she's awesome, like you said. But, you know. Anyways. Continue. Yeah. So, uh, the Ravagers, back to to the, the sea story. Ravagers kind of lock up Yandu. They lock up Rocket. They're uh, locking everybody up. And then Baby Groot comes to the rescue. Yeah. And then he, uh, he gets the, the fin after many, many, many tries. Um, brings Yandu the fin so he can control his arrow. But, uh, but yeah, then uh, back to A story because this movie does jump around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Quill and Gamora are dancing on Ego, the planet. And- uh, Thanks for clearing that up. I, I was confused for Yeah, not, not on Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, thank you. The part about having a character, <laughs> about having a character named Ego and also a planet named Ego. It's like having yeah. a character named Earth and also a planet named Earth. Like <laughs> it would just, it just, it gets confusing after a minute because, because Ego, Kurt Russell ego is just an extension of the planet ego. So mm-hmm. they're, they're dancing on the planet ego. Um, then Nebula tries to fight Gamora. And that's when they come to the cave of skeletons and they find out that ego's killing his children. And at the same time, Peter and ego are throwing a ball around. And it's kind of like a, the juxtaposition of those two scenes is, is actually kind of comical um because <laughs> you see that ego's just killing all his kids and then all of a sudden he's playing catch with the one kid that not a fuck up. buttering him up <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah then uh yandu rocket groot craglin they uh they take the ship back 
and then Ego shows Peter the expansion. He uh, he crushes the Walkman, which is unfortunate because Walkmans are already a dying technology. <laughs> and R.I.P. that specific Walkman. Um, then they all meet up, as you know we expected, and they go to fight Ego. They don't know how to beat him because because they just don't. And so it's a goddamn they celestial, right? But they put they they put Mantis on the case because she knows him best. So she puts him to sleep for a minute, and uh, and they actually start making progress on beating Ego. And but then that's when the Sovereigns attack because B Story comes back to bite you, and. They uh so the sovereigns take out Mantis, so Ego wakes up. So Drax takes Mantis to the ship. Gamora and Nebula head back to the ship, and then Rocket has this funny scene with Groot where he's trying to teach him how to blow up Ego, and he's trying to teach him how to press a button, and Groot always keeps pointing to the wrong button. It was funny. It was a funny scene. Um, it's probably my favorite scene in the movie, and it's probably a dumb scene to have as my favorite scene in the movie, but it is. I just. I like the stupidity of Baby Group. <laughs> it's just very funny. Yeah, it is. Um, but he hooks up the batteries that he stole to the bomb, and he gives it to Groot, and Groot takes it down. Actually, no, it's my it's my like second favorite scene. I'll get to my favorite scene in a minute. So Groot goes and he successfully blows up Ego, saves the day, and uh, as Quill and Ego, Kurt Russell Ego, are having a fight set to Fleetwood Max, the chain. Um, Quill gets launched into space, and Yandu's there and puts the mask on him and shows that he he delivers like one of the most powerful lines in the whole MCU, in my opinion. And he says, that man might have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. And I was like, damn, like <laughs> that that line hits. It's like another one of those, like division line, like uh, mm-hmm. what division say. What is what is? Oh, what is what is something but love everlasting? But love persevering. Pre- persevering. Yeah. yeah, like that line, but like the that man wasn't might have been your father, but he wasn't your dad. Like that hits because yeah. like Yandu makes his final sacrifice. And that's my favorite scene. Is Yandu making yeah. his final sacrifice and giving Quill the mask to? To save Quill, um, mm-hmm. kind of similar to how Quill did that for Gamora in the past um, when he saved her, but mm-hmm. also, like obviously Quill ended up getting saved as well. But yeah, then we get the uh, the, the the funeral scene, and we see that Stallone's there. We see that all of the other like Ravager armies are there. Miley Cyrus plays a robot in that scene. Um. And then we see uh, post credits, and that's there's a lot of post credits because there's like Craglin practicing with the arrow, and he hits uh, Drax with it, which is funny. Um, we see Sylvester Stallone reuniting the the rest of the Ravager teams. Um, we see teenage Groot playing video games. Ooh. We see the big one is the Sovereigns having their little pod with Adam Warlock, who has just been cast. Mm-hmm. Um, we got uh, Will Poulter 
as Adam Warlock, which I didn't know how I felt about that at first because I, having seen him in Where the Millers, I was like, he seems way too dorky and awesome. <laughs> Where the Millers. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no way. I was like, he's too dorky to be. But like, they released a picture of him the other day, yeah. and like, just like, like the glow up he went through, like he's he's just like he's like chiseled now, and mm-hmm. he's he's not like that dorky kid anymore. And I'm like. All right, I can see this now. Like at first, I was like, I went to full panic mode. I was like, I'm not feeling this. I'm like, I'm not feeling this at all. I see why you saw when we're the Millers. Right, that's what I'm saying. I was like, they the Millers kid is it? I'm like, no. And but but no, I I see him now, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. I can see it. Like he'll be a good Adam Warlock. Um, he still has a punchable face. <laughs> I yeah. Um, but it'll be exciting to see because Adam Warlock, you know being a hero in the comics, being one of the guys who took down Thanos in the comics. Um, we'll see, because now he's working for an antagonist army here. So we'll see what his role is in the third Guardians, which just started filming like two days ago. Um, and then we get Stanley cameo, which ties into what if, because he's hanging with the Watchers. Mm-hmm. And that was just like uh that might be my favorite Stanley MCU cameo. I don't know, it's close because Captain Marvel was also very good. Where he played himself. Where he was on the train yeah. reading the script uh, to the yeah. mall rats. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one was awesome. Mall rats was a, had so a many nice good touch. ones. Yeah. The one where he's the DJ, the one, uh, the homecoming one where he's yelling out the window to the lady. The Ant-Man one where his car gets shrunk down. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one where he's the bartender and Luis is doing his voice. <laughs> where he's yeah. a military, FedEx guy, security guard. Mm-hmm. Like He's done more odd jobs than most millennials. It's crazy. This game You're right. Dude, Silver Surfer? His cameo on Silver Surfer as himself, also very funny. I'm Stanley. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember that one. I don't think I've seen that one. It was at their uh, wedding at uh, Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman's wedding. Oh, okay. Um, Stanley shows up and he's like, and like the guy with the clipboard, he's like, name, and he's like, Stanley. He goes, Yeah, right. He's like, No, really, I mean it. I'm Stanley. <laughs> and then he cuts away. <laughs> His cameo in Venom is pretty funny too. Do you remember what it is? Or? No, no, no. The the first Venom cameo. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, it's the end of the movie. He's walking his dog, and he like pretty much he tells Tom Hardy, he's like, I believe in you, both of you. <laughs> like you can see Venom through him, <laughs> and it's just it's funny. But then like uh, Venom's talking to Tom Hardy, and he's like, What was that thing? He's talking about the dog. What was that? It looks delicious. <laughs> but yeah, we got a couple cool X Men cameos too. One with his wife, bunch of different. But yeah, he's the goat. He's the cameo goat. Gosh, the goat of all goats. But yeah, so that's that's my <laughs> recap of Guardians too. Mm-hmm. So did. you're paying another consistent one. You're paying pretty much stay the same on it. Yeah, it's hold on. I'm gonna see where I ranked it. I have it a lot lower. I have it, yeah, 22. 
I didn't necessarily care for Ego as a villain. I just thought. Yeah, I have it in the and category. Like, even just recapping it a minute ago, bouncing back and forth between the three storylines, it was just like a lot. And, and not like that it wasn't enjoyable and not that it didn't have its moments. It was just like the first Guardians was like great. And then it was just like the, the second one, I guess I was just like expecting more from. And I just didn't, you're right. Like I didn't care for Ego as a villain as much. And I get that he's devious because he like, you know, he killed all of his children. But we didn't see it, right? Like we didn't see him kill anybody. And I feel like that's a big part of the impact of it. Mm. Like really to me, the best part of Guardians 2 is the Yandu Quill storyline. Quill finding out. I was just about to say the whole movie pretty much is like about developing Quill. It's yeah. a Quill development story. Yeah. And and I think the, the whole Yandu being the father figure that Quill never knew he had the whole time. Yeah. Quill finding out that Yandu only didn't deliver him the ego because he was protecting him. Like, yeah, that was that meant a lot more to me than the actual "we gotta go fight my dad" storyline. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta go fight my dad. It's funny, but the the Hasselhoff cameo was great. The little Pac Man cameo was funny. Mm. And I thought there was like a bunch of cutesy thing they did in this movie too. It was just, I don't know. I can't really explain why this movie doesn't hit as much. It just, it doesn't. Yeah. Maybe it's just because it's it's darker. Like the first Guardians was for the most part pretty pretty light. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like everyone else pretty much just took a back seat to Quill. Like they were just right there for the most part. Right, even Baby Groot was, was like a yeah. pretty big part of the marketing for the movie. Wasn't in it too much until that one scene where he blows up Ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to the Russells. Both of them were or are in the MCU. So, shout yeah. out to them. I like how they got Kurt to come back and voice himself in What If. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. That was super tight. For sure. Also, there's a rumor that Harry Styles is in Eternals. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh-huh. Which isn't out of the realm. Like, I mean, they it's did, not. like I just said, they did at Miley Cyrus in uh in Guardians 2. As just like a voice actor. I wonder if that is true. I wonder what he would be um. What his role is going to be. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's just like a cameo role or if it's like a mm. like a legit role role. Mm. I feel like it would be like a cameo, but who knows? We shall see. Yeah. In a couple of weeks. Yep. And they didn't push it back, thank God, even though they pushed back everything else. Yeah. This is a bummer. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. I just wish they wouldn't have pushed back Doctor Strange. Honestly, if they give us Doctor Strange in March and then push everything else back, I'd be like, that's be cool. That satisfies me. Yeah. Until I'll go see Doctor Strange 25 times in theaters. I don't give a shit. Like, exactly. But, oh, that it's yeah. upsetting that they pushed that to May. Like, 
Yeah, I feel the same exact way, man. I think they chose the wrong movie. But hey. Like, I get starting the year off by pushing everything back. Like, that makes sense to me. And also maybe wanting more time to animate Doctor Strange because it is a lot of shit going into that. But it's just like, that's the most anticipated one. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to be fucking, it's like when they made us wait for Endgame for a year. Now they're making us wait for Doctor Strange for like two and a half years. <laughs> Doctor Strange puts out last year already. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, obligatory Agents of Shield reference. Of course. Of course. Gotta have that. Of course. Yeah. To remind everyone, to remind the fans. It's still, uh, it's still real Batman hours. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to them. Seeming like they're, uh, they might not have a direction. I almost lied. But shout out to them for getting a great actor to try to revive themselves yeah the 28th attempt at batman <laughs> right pick a new character batman's already such a great character you don't need to make hey we gotta get an old bruce wayne bro i don't know what to tell you that's you gotta work with uh there. keaton they're bringing keaton to the flash yeah you gotta gotta work your way up there yeah. oh you're talking like the one i was telling you about the other day yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that they got young Bruce Wayne. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis, Bruce Wayne. Daniel Day Lewis, Bruce Wayne. Oh, man. Jake Gyllenhaal. Baines Earl Jones. Baines Earl, yo, that'd be crazy. <laughs> Imagine his voice under that Dakota. I know. Voice. That'd be really wild. Yeah. Paul Walker came here. Anyways, okay. that's been that's been that's been Daz and Duke. That's been Daz and Duke. <laughs> Until next week. Uh, I don't know. I don't even fucking know how to follow up your power. <laughs> uh, t- just drive safely. Okay. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Peace. Peace.